It's nice when God turns up, isn't it? Just his presence and his peace. And I can just see loads of your faces just thinking and mulling and things are happening. And let's just kind of stay in that place. Let's wait in that place of, uh, of just receiving. It's interesting how the songs we were singing this morning were around the theme of love. And the message that Rachel brought was around love. And that's exactly what I felt like when I was just preparing for this morning. That was the overarching theme of God's love for us. And this picture that we read right throughout scripture, which is the Bible. Which is this consistent, repetitive tone of God aligning things so that his people would be positioned in his love. As he reveals himself to humanity. That we would absorb and live out what that means across every area of our lives. This month we're looking at Ephesians. And that's found in the New Testament. uh, Just after the Gospels. And Ephesians was written by a guy called St. Paul. But it was added to by probably some of his friends as well. And uh, it was written in around 54 to 56 AD. We're talking just a few years after Jesus himself has gone back to heaven. And Paul's thinking, I've got to take everything I've experienced, everything I've uh, identified in this Jesus figure, and I've got to begin to push this out. And we see the gospel, we see the good news of Jesus Christ take hold of many lives and uh, just begins to transform cities and then societies. And here we are, 2,000 years on, 2,000 miles away, yet we're experiencing his presence and his goodness and his truth. And St. Paul writes to a bunch of churches in Ephesus, in Ephesians. And he is kind of just, he's kind of calling the basics out of what this walk looks like with you and with your God. And he's reminding us of the fundamental basics. And uh, let's just, we're going to call this series uh, Encounter Ephesians, Discovering the Book of Ephesians. Ta-da! But really I wanted to spend a few weeks of just delving into scripture and um, last week we found out, he was, t- I'll tell you what, last week's preacher was pretty good, wasn't he? Who was it who spoke last week? Who was it? Say it louder. Yeah, that's what I do with my boys. Tickle them. And then I say, who's the best? You. Say it louder. You. But, last week we discovered these truths through our life. That there were seven truths that when you've accepted Jesus Christ, when you are living in life, these are the benefits that you get. I've got a big question for all of us today. I want to ask it in just a few moments. I want you to prepare your hearts for this question. But here's the benefits of living uh, with Jesus by accepting Jesus into your life. You're chosen. You're forgiven. You are called his family. You're adopted in. You're made his children. You've promised eternal blessing. And you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've just experienced this Holy Spirit in church this morning. And he marks us as belonging to him forever. The seven factors, seven benefits, seven major pluses when we decide to follow Jesus. I don't want to paint a picture of doom and gloom this morning. But if you look at the news, if you read the newspapers, if you talk to your mate down the pub, if you chat to somebody in the workplace, if you catch up with a a mate over coffee, there's a lot of despair. There is a lot of, uh, and I sound like doom and gloom, the world's rotten. Um, but but it, there's a lot of just a lot of confusion, a lot of anxiety, a lot of unknown, unseen. What's going to happen? It's right, isn't it? 
Uh, the weather around the world is just atrocious. We know that the scales of injustice are tipped pretty unevenly, that people live in dire poverty and others have loads. We know the world is not a perfect place. In Ephesians 2, St. Paul just reminds us that humanity is not in the place where God intended us to be. Just think about it. Think about some of the gossip this week between wags. You caught up with that news story yet? Uh, or, or, you know, what's happening with the B words? You know, we just, we understand that there is conflict. We have determined that I over we is far more important. Uh, and for, for I as a country, for I as an individual, it's, it's about me. And, and, and God did not intend that for us to live our lives in this way. Uh, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I was chatting earlier uh, to, to a guy, and uh, we were saying that actually we were built for community, built as society, but intrinsically over the years we become more isolated and individualistic, and you know it, it's it's our own race. And with the breakdown of all of those things, we see that actually people are in real despair. Saint Paul says in Ephesians two, once you were dead. Once you were dead. St. Paul paints this picture of this dark, this void of life world. It was upside down. And he says it wasn't functioning as God intended. You know the story of Adam and Eve. And everything was rosy. And then they plucked the apple and they said, we want to be like God. We want to rule ourselves. We want to have such knowledge and power and wisdom and understanding that we won't need God to speak into our lives. And ever since, we've been desperate to get back to that place of relationship. We've worshipped everything else apart from him. So Ephesians says, once you were dead, because of all of those things, Because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, who is the commander of the powers of the unseen world. By the way, I don't think, I think the devil's real. I don't think this is a a poetic language. We know, don't we, that Jesus himself had a conversation with the devil. We know throughout scripture that we are warned that this guy prowls around like a roaring lion. Wanting to devour people. Suck you of hope and of joy and of life. And he wants to just empty the world of any sort of connection with God. So St. Paul pens it. He says, this thing is real. And because he's real, it means that we're facing real things. There is rubbish in the world between the kingdom of God and where we're living that doesn't make sense. There is brokenness and there's hurt. There's anxiety. There's pressure. There's breakdown in relationship. I guarantee you, if, if us as a room stayed in the same room for a week, would we be friends? Would there be clicks? Would there be gossiping? Eee, you'll never guess what she did last night. I can just imagine the breakdown of us. And actually, it's because innate, in all of us, is this separation from God. So St. Paul is writing this picture. But he says that he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. This is the devil. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations. I'll let you fill in that bit. Of all of our sinful nature. By very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. But God, but God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sins, all the things we thought, we'd done, we'd said, the things we were ashamed of, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Isn't that great? And so the truth is this, that he saved you. 
And last week we discovered that you couldn't save yourself. That you've tried to save yourself. And actually, if you look at humanity, look at your friendship groups, look at your, your family, look at your workplaces, look at yourself. All of us, I describe it as this. We're on this bungee cord. And we like strap ourselves up and we'll say, make money. And we run towards money. And we think, if I achieve money, I'm going to make it. But then we get pulled back into the sense of brokenness. Oh, I'm back where I was. Because something in me just doesn't feel right. I know I'm going to try the big house. I'm going to go for the big house. Do you know what? I still feel rotten inside. I'm going to try and just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be addicted to that or hooked to that or passionate about that. And we just, we do all these little tangent jumps and runs. But ultimately, because there's a sense of brokenness in us, it doesn't work. The fast car hasn't eased the pain. The, bi- the big house hasn't eased. I'm, I'm saying this hypothetical. I haven't got a big house or a fast car. But just imagining something in us still doesn't feel quite right. So actually, the answer had to come from outside ourselves. It had to come to us. And that's what the Bible tells us. And I say this week in, week out. It's gospel, it's truth. I know it sounds boring, but it's just gospel. It's really exciting. But God came to us. And he said, I know you can't save yourself. I'm going to come and do it for you. Watch this. And he runs towards humanity. And he runs towards our brokenness. And he says, I see it all. I see all of the shame, all of the nakedness. Yet, I love you so much, I'm going to unite our relationship again. In fact, I'm going to send myself. And last week we discovered that God from the start of time knew what sacrifice he had to make. How amazing is that? That even before he made you, he knew what a mess up we would be. And uh, uh, Before we met Christ. And he knew that living in that place, he had to come and save us. And he said from day one, it is so worth it. God, we are so grateful to you for doing that. So I've got a question for you. And I asked you to to hold this this in your heart this morning, this, this idea of answering an honest question. Are you alive? Do you feel alive? And when I feel alive, yes, I'm talking about a pulse, of course. That's probably the biggest indicator of being alive. Am I right? I'm not a medical expert, but I think it is. But I'm talking about, are you alive? You know, is your spirit alive? You know, are you sensing the presence of God in and around your life? Would you say in the last week or two weeks or the last month perhaps that you really felt God deposit something into your spirit that is going to propel you for all that's to come? Because remember, we're not just living a life for 70 years. We are created for eternity. And actually, we're not just physical beings. We're spiritual beings. God made us and he loves us. And he's called us into relationship with him for this life and also for the next. Are you alive? Because St. Paul's saying, before you know Jesus, you're dead. You might have a pulse, but something in us is just innately broken. It's corrupted. It feels damaged. We we want answers outside ourselves. We we have questions. We want to know if there's a life source and a power source. St. Paul is painting this picture and saying, before we knew him, it was game over. But then this hope in the middle of darkness, this, this pinprick of light begins to shine through. And suddenly that focus, that light, blots out all of the darkness and becomes the focus. Because in that focus there's hope and there's joy and there's promise and there's goodness and there's great mercy. Jesus Christ hung on a cross and he said, God, forgive him. They have no idea what they're doing. Forgive humanity. And we know from reading scripture that Jesus Christ died, 
disappeared for three days. Some people think he went to hell, invaded hell, got the devil in a headlock and said, I'm empty in this place. Who's coming with me? That's one theological background. Awesome. Great. Who knows where Jesus went? But we know that he came back and that there was hundreds of eyewitness accounts. We know from early historians that there was reports of Jesus. They documented it. This Jesus guy, the stories are popping up. There's documented evidence about this Jesus guy. And we know, look at this, again, 2,000 years on, 2,000 miles later, we are singing to this Jesus. We are glorifying him. And we feel like our lives have been touched and changed. There's something real about the gospel. And we know that. But would you count yourself alive today? Speaking to Philip, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, the life. There was no ifs, no buts there, was there? There was this real call, and this is before he went to the cross, this real call of, this is why I'm here. This is who I am. But this is what it means for you. And it probably will take us 70 years to unpack the truth of that for our lives. And that's found in John 14. Life in me, dead without him. And so Jesus went one better than just proclaiming the words. As I said, he went to the cross. But then he got death in a headlock. He conquered sin's curse. And he rose again, offering hope for eternity. And But John 14 continues. Check this out. John 14 continues, and he says, is it, is it picky kids up time? Oh, no. And he says, in John 14, he continues, and he says, I'm going to prepare a place with many rooms. That's what he tells the disciples. So we've received this free gift, yes, of eternal life, but also we get to unwrap the gift and apply it to all of our life. But you know what? Unwrapping that gift, although it was a free gift, it'll cost you your time. It'll cost you your energy, it'll cost you your dedication, and it'll cost you your money. Because all in, although it's a free gift, it takes years of unpacking. Yes, I accept you. But the unpacking looks like this. The Bible gives us some key nuggets. And I want to jump into that in just a second. But before we received and owned this good news for ourselves, we'd spent years building our identity on our defects. And it's only as we allow God to shine a light on the truth of our faults and failures and hang-ups that he begins to work in them, making ourselves humble and teachable in order to grow. Godly habits take time. Isn't that true? I would say your character is the sum total of your habits. So although we've accepted this free gift, I'm going to try and keep us up to speed here, although we've accepted these free gifts... We need to develop these habits to live out the lifestyle of owning that gift. Is that making sense? So yes, we've accepted him, but also we've got to put it into daily practice. For Christians, we call it spiritual disciplines. And here's what some of the spiritual disciplines are, uh, living stuff out. So habits define and develop character. So character building habits are often called the spiritual gifts, which are our meditation, prayer, fasting, Bible study, Simplicity, stewardship, solitude, submission, service, and evangelism. They're the disciplines that how we live this stuff out. Yes, we get to live with this free gift, but it's our job and responsibility to develop that gift. To, to put it into practice, into every part 
of our lives. It's like when you add yeast to bread. It's two separate ingredients, right? But when you add the yeast into the mix and you mix it in, suddenly it begins to rise. As we add these submissions, as we add the the service, as we add the Bible study, as we add prayer into our everyday life, we watch as our life begins to expand. And God and his presence grows. And it's called living life with God. And 1 Timothy says this, practice all of these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Ephesians 2. It said, you lived in this world, and this is the St. Paul bit. You lived in this world without hope and without God. But now, you have been united with Jesus Christ. Once you were far from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, God's chosen people, and then everybody else into one people, one family, in his own body on the cross. He brought down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. Last line, he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself One new people from those two groups. And so, pretty much, in essence, chapter 2 tells us this. The world, it's messed up, it's broken, this is the picture. But actually, life and hope begins to come through when we live this stuff out. When we accept the gift and put it into practice. I'm guessing, based on the number of people in church today... Lots of us have accepted this free gift. I love free things. Do you love free things? Oh, I love freebies. I I mean, I love it. You know that email you get that says, um, you know, Bob and Kenny wants to give you 25 million quid. It's a lie. Don't believe it. He only gives you 16 million. It's it's a complete fabricated lie. But how many of us are like, click, if only. We know we love free stuff, free samples. But actually, we love the free gift that God gives us. But we have to put it into practice. Applying disciplines, living our life, living uh, this stuff out in our day-to-day life. But all under the guise of he loves us. He sent himself because he saw the state we were in. And when we accept him, it does something in our hearts and our lives. It gives us a passion for him, a passion for people. And we get to live forever. I just want to say those seven benefits again. And now I'm going to uh, give an invitation. When we accept Jesus Christ, we are chosen We're forgiven. We're called his family. We're made his children. We're promised eternal blessing. I'm in already. Never mind the last line. And we're also given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now church, for those who've been believers a while, and we're all veterans to this, I want to challenge us again, you know, to chase after those those moments of submission, those moments of waiting, of solitude, of service, you know, to practice those daily disciplines. Because actually God can build something profound on that. But also I want to give an invitation this morning as we wrap up. And I want to give an invitation for those who want to understand and unwrap and experience and accept God's gift for them this morning. Now you know through the worship, through the songs, through the speaking, you probably felt like God's been tapping on your heart this morning. Or, Or perhaps there's just been goose pimples or there's been a presence or a peace But actually, you know you're here and you have to do business with Jesus. You've heard about him, 
He attracts you. But actually, there's got to be a point where we say, Jesus, I come before you. I accept who you are. I accept that I'm far away from you. But actually, as I understand and accept those truths, you adopt me into your family. You promise me eternal blessings. You call me your own. And do you know what Jesus promises to do when we say that simple prayer? He promises to power wash our souls. To wipe away everything that we carry. And to call us his own. And I want to give an invitation. And perhaps we can close our eyes. Just so there's a real bit of focus and concentration. There's no pressure with this. But I want to give an invitation right now. To anybody who feels like that's them. And you want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart and your life. You've tried it your own way. You've lived it. But actually there's still such a hunger inside. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And if that's you this morning, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you raise a hand? And I just want to pray for you. And the Bible says that when we give our lives to Jesus, heaven goes crazy. The angels go wild. There's a party. An absolute anthem goes on when we connect with Jesus. Great. And Jesus, I thank you for that hand. I thank you for the response. Jesus was so grateful as we look at the Bible of how you impact our lives. As we live out this stuff with you. It's incredible. And Lord, I pray as well for all of us this morning that we would jump into your word this week. That we'd spend time with people. That we would prioritize you. And Lord, we know as we do these things, that our lives will be filled with life. In your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.